first reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. The second reading is from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. This is the word of the Lord. In 2017, my brother-in-law challenged me uh, in January to run a marathon with him at the end of the year. I'd always wanted to run a marathon, but really never put time aside for it. Uh, It was a massive task. And so I asked a friend of mine if he would be my coach. He had done numerous marathons before. And um, he said, I would on the condition uh, that you listen to what I say and you do what I tell you to do. I had another motivation. My nephew uh, in New Zealand was suffering from leukaemia at the time, and so we wanted to raise money for cancer research. Thankfully, he's now in remission, but I had that motivation to finish the marathon. So I followed what was written in the training program. I listened to the words of my coach. But throughout the time of training, especially when I was increasing my training runs from 20 kilometres to 24 kilometres to 26 kilometres and so on, things started to happen. My body started to hurt. 
I became concerned with my knees, my hips, my feet, my ankles. I could go on. It was a shopping list full of niggles that uh, made me, started to bug me. Uh, but then also my mind started to wander to holidays, to tropical islands, <laughs> to anything rather than hitting that pavement. Worries came into my mind. I was full of distractions. My body was literally falling apart. After my first 32-kilometer training run, I couldn't walk for two days. How was I to finish this stupid marathon? My coach said to me, listen to my advice and follow my training. My body hurt so much. I hear a beach on Hawaii calling. He said, just listen to my advice and follow my training. You know, training for a marathon is such a mind game. So I listened to what he said. I kept sight of the goal and I tried to ignore how my body was feeling. And I finished the marathon. I'm now convinced that pretty much anyone could do this. If all you do is listen to a coach and follow the training. It really does take this change of mindset. And in many ways, the Christian life is like a marathon. As our bodies age, as our minds wander, as distractions come in the world around us, we sometimes wonder, can we last the distance as a Christian? It takes a change of mindset. Well, this is what the passage is all about today. So how about our prayers? We come and look at it now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come and look at your word. We recognize that there is so many distractions around. We recognize that our bodies are failing. We recognize that this world is strong. So help us, Heavenly Father, to listen to your words, to follow your words, change our minds and change our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus says the mindset of a disciple is someone who does not worry about the things of this life. Uh, The passage starts off with a word then, if you've got it open, uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 22. It starts off with the word then, which usually indicates that something important that relates to this passage has just come before. You see, Jesus has just told this parable of the rich fool, who after a bumper crop uh, is feeling good, and so he retires. And he looks to live the good life, relaxing, eating, drinking, and being merry. But God says to him, You fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Jesus ends up saying in verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. You see, the rich rich man was a fool because he only thought of his wealth and his own well-being and he didn't think of God when it came to this life. Although he'd actually done none of the work, if you jumped back to the beginning of that parable, you would see it was the land that produced the wealth. But he claimed it as his own, and he only thought about it for himself and thought how good it will be for him to live off what he has. And this is very much the teaching of our age, isn't it? The great Aussie dream to own your own home, to become financially independent, to invest wisely and realise your full potential. Uh, We're told we can have this overcoming spirit and so on, which in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but when they leave God out of the question, thinking that somehow it was our own effort rather than the situation that God has placed us in, such as living in Australia, such as getting an education and so on, 
It all becomes about what we can achieve and what we can achieve apart from God. And this very much becomes an idol. In fact, we become God of our own lives, living in our own castles. But Jesus says for his disciples, this is not how you should live. Rather, do not worry about these things, but trust in your heavenly Father. Jesus says, don't worry about life, what you'll eat, or your body, what you'll wear. And they're two things, aren't they, that are placed high in our society. Think of the food industry. Think of the fashion industry. They're multi-billion dollar industries. And you can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on, on both food and clothing. It can all be about wearing the right clothing, making sure you've got the right brand name, or eating at the right restaurants where they serve, well, this is just the best food. Now, for both of these, it's not like a disciple of Jesus can't wear designer clothes or can't eat at fancy restaurants. I'm not saying that. But when you make it your life's purpose, when you live this way and altogether forget God in the situation, Jesus would say your priorities are wrong. When you forget that it's only, you only have these things because God has given them to you and we weren't born in the deepest, darkest Africa... And we think about all that we've achieved and so therefore we can spend our money our way and buy what we want and wear what we want because you know what? We deserve it. That God would say you've got your priorities wrong. Instead for Jesus and his disciples, he says don't worry about these things. Don't define yourself by what you wear or by what you eat. In fact, he goes on to say look at how the ravens live. Consider the ravens. Consider how God feeds them, how they're looked after in this way. And so we should have confidence that our God, who we are way more precious in his sight, will look after us. One of the challenges uh, I have when I go to do ministry in India is that we're often taken in our days off to these big shopping centres that that have glitzy lights and have the top shops uh, from around the world. Uh, Because we're white, uh, we're considered wealthy and they think this is how we want to spend our time. They literally think you obviously want to be in these shopping centres. Now, they're far too expensive for me to shop in and, and other members of the team, but that's just their mindset. And it's such a contrast to the pastors that we teach for the week who come from rural India. Some of them are the poorest people on this planet. Some of them only have one or two sets of clothes, yet they can look so amazing. They don't care about designer clothes because they know that God loves them and they're more concerned with that and his priorities. And I always come away from India rebuked. Am I relying on God and his kingdom like these pastors, or am I more consumed with what I wear and what I eat like the world around me? Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Consider the ravens. How much more valuable are you to your heavenly Father? In fact, Jesus goes on to say, who of you can worry uh, by worrying at a single hour to your life? It's true, isn't it? Uh, we, we can't go on worrying and think somehow it's going to extend our life. In fact, medically speaking, it's probably more like worrying and stress and anxiety will do you damage and, and shorten your life than lengthen it. If Jesus says you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
Now, Jesus is not saying here that a Christian is going to have a worry-free life. Rather, he's keen to carry the burden here. Bring your worries to him in prayer. Let him help you carry the load. I mentioned a few weeks ago that Heather, was, uh, my wife, was diagnosed with cancer about nine years ago. Uh, and as you can imagine, worrying about this occupied our minds. What would our future hold? Would my wife even have a future? But it's verses like this that we would come back to, and as I've said, she's thankfully completely fine now, but it's verses like this that we would come back to that remind us that God is in control no matter what the situation. In fact, we often found ourselves lifting up others who were more burdened by the news than we were. Friends, as disciples of Jesus, Jesus calls us to change our minds, to stop worrying about the things of this world, but rather rest on the promises of God to come to the Lord Jesus in prayer and let this be the way that you live your life. Well, secondly, Jesus goes on to say that a disciple of his seeks first his kingdom. Jesus moves to talk on from talking about food to talking about clothes again. He gets us to consider the lilies and how they look when they grow. Now, I've got a picture of a lily here. They're a pretty nice-looking plant, aren't they? Uh, Jesus asks us to consider the lilies and how good they look, but then tells us that Solomon did not, in all his splendor, ever dress as good as one of these. Now, Solomon, uh, Solomon was known by many Jewish people as the king who set himself no limits. He was the, the son of David. He was living at the high point of, uh, of Israel's history, uh, where, where people would come from around the world to seek his counsel. And he was a king who set himself no limits. He chased after all uh, his eyes desired. In fact, he wrote about it in that first reading from Ecclesiastes. Let me remind you of what it says in verses uh, 4 to 10. It says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. And here it is. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Isn't that just the call of the age today? I desire myself nothing my eyes... I, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Just put that on the credit card, please. I'll be right. I refuse my heart no pleasure. But nevertheless, Solomon amassed all these things. He did not hold back. He had the world at his feet. When it came to clothing, piakarin, or karon, however you pronounce it. When it came to sunglasses, Gucci. When it came to shoes, Dunlop Follies. I mean, Julius Marlowe's or whatever, you know, fancy shoes you can get. But Jesus says in all of this, Solomon never looked as good as this lily. He never, ever looked with all of that as good as this lily. And so Jesus says, if this God is how God treats the flowers, which are not made in his image like humans are, but are here today and then thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you and me? How much more will God look after us? 
Look what he says in verse, uh, verse 29 there. Uh, he goes on to say, And so do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it. And friends, this is the heart of the issue, so to speak. It's what we set our hearts on. At the end of the day, Jesus is not saying, don't have food, don't have clothing, don't have things like that. He's not saying that. He's saying you need them, but do not set your hearts on them as being the most important things in this life. Jesus says this is what the pagans do. They run after that because they don't know God. And so they try and fill the hole by, by feeding themselves, by clothing themselves. Think of shows like MasterChef or My Kitchen Rules. It's all about having the best food on the table. Or shows like Australian Top Model or, or the Fashion Weeks that are celebrated around the world. These industries are big industries. And the idea is that they capture your heart so that you start to chase after these things too. And they can become your religion. Uh, it's been said to me that we don't have cathedrals anymore because people are at the shopping centres. That's their cathedrals. And you continue to chase after what is next, the the next taste sensation, the next shopping fix and so on. Our, Our hearts become so captured by them. And so we need to remember that the time that we input into our lives with these things will be reflected in the outcomes of what we do. That is, if we're reading magazines, if we're spending our time at the shops, if we're watching TV shows, if this is what consumes our conversations with friends, then that's the way we'll live, isn't it? Because out of our mouth, our heart speaks. They capture our heart. But Jesus says, do not let this happen, friends, if you are a disciple of his, but trust that God will look after you. Instead, he says, seek God's kingdom first and foremost. In other words, fill your days with the things of God. Read his word, pray to him, make church and and the ministry of the church your priority. Catch up with other Christian friends, read the Bible with them, pray with them, talk about Christian things with them. Friends, I I don't think we talk about heaven enough. Uh, our, Our minds are so consumed with the here and now, we forget to remind each other of the glories of what is to come. In fact, if it's okay, I want to organise a reunion of this congregation here right now. If you're not doing anything in 10,000 years' time in eternity, can we get together? Can someone put in their diary now? I'm putting in my diary now. Uh, it, wouldn't it be great? We could catch up, we could talk about the past 9,999 years and what we've been up and doing. Now, there's a few awkward laughs going there, isn't it? But if we have the mindset of a Christian of one who is saved by the blood of Jesus for all eternity, then we should speak this way. As if this life is not all there is, because we know there's more to come. Because you know what? There is more to come. And heaven and eternity, it's our real home. It's our eternal home. And when we glimpse back on the 70 or 80 or 90 odd years that we had back on earth after living there for 10,000 years, it will pale into insignificance this time. But it takes a change in mindset, doesn't it? That this is where we're going. And we need to let our language follow suit. You see, friends, Jesus finally says, a disciple builds treasure in heaven not on earth. Jesus reminds us that God is pleased to give us his kingdom. He wants us to be there. In fact, he will lavish upon us great riches. 
But if your heart gets distracted by the things of this world and being part of uh, this kingdom of this world, then your eternal, the eternal kingdom is put in jeopardy. And so Jesus reminds us of the importance of being part of God's kingdom. And it should mean we should hold our possessions loosely, hold the passions of this world loosely. In fact, Jesus teaches his disciples to sell their possessions and give to the poor. Because at the end of the day, what we need to build is treasure in heaven. You see, friends, if our hearts are not in the right place when it comes to owning our possessions, having our houses, having our cars, having our our fine clothes and restaurants, just our living every day, if our heart is focused on them, what we're going to miss out on in the world to come is far greater. And so Jesus says, sell them. Give them to the poor. It's better for you to lose them now than to lose the eternal life that is to come. Rather, what we should be building is treasure in heaven where no thief can come and no moth can destroy. Jesus knows we can't take anything with us when we die. And he wants us to have this mindset that the treasure that we have here on earth is nothing. It will, it will be destroyed. It can be stolen. Something can happen to it or we will die and leave it behind anyway. But treasure in heaven will last for all eternity. Yes, we can have a house here for 50 or so years, but our house in heaven will be for eternity. Yes, we can chase after the latest and greatest tech product that will satisfy for, let's be serious, a day or maybe even two. But treasure in heaven will last for all eternity. Yes, we can have all the bling and the clothes and we can have the look that that world desires. But at the end, they will be destroyed or we will simply have to leave them behind. Whereas treasure in heaven will last forever. Now, friends, Jesus is not saying here, sell all your possessions and live in poverty. But he's saying, hold your possessions lightly. Know they are a gift to you from God and use them for his glory. Open your house to new people who have come to church. Use the things that God has given you for ministry, for seeing the name of the Lord Jesus proclaimed so that more people can be saved and give what you have in excess to those who have nothing. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I heard of a family who mortgaged their home so that their church could employ a youth minister. It seems crazy, doesn't it? Who would mortgage their home in order to see ministry happen? What I didn't tell you is the youth minister didn't work out. The people who mortgaged their home did so in their retirement and so had no other income and needed to sell their home so they could make the repayments and they're now renting for the rest of their lives. Now, they're not spring chickens. They were in their 70s and 80s when they did this. But did they complain about what happened? No. Not at all. They recognise that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Not only about you, but I find this such a challenge. But aren't their hearts in the right place? Building treasure in heaven. Friends, what would you do or give up in order to see gospel ministry go forward? You see, when you have the mindset of eternity, it gives you a different perspective on this world. Because look what Jesus says in verse 34. It wasn't read out, but what does it say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And so it comes back to a matter of the heart, doesn't it? This was the problem with the man who built bigger barns. His heart wasn't in the right place. But friends, the challenge is, what about for you and me? If Jesus wants us to have the right mindset in life as a disciple, what needs to change is our hearts. But there's good reason that our hearts aren't inclined this way, isn't it? It's because we don't talk about these things enough. Our eyes are a bit more focused on this world than the world to come. What would it be like if we started to dream of what eternity would be like together? To be living in that perfect relationship with each other. To be in a place where there's no more dying or mourning or crying or pain. Wouldn't it be great to talk about what treasure we would have in heaven? I think we don't talk about it because we don't know what it is. But we do get a glimpse of what it is in 1 Thessalonians. In fact, what Paul speaks of is how the Thessalonians are his crown and his joy. What I mean by this is I think one of the treasures in heaven that we will have is each other. Friends, look around the room. Look at your brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. Who's not here? Who are you encouraging in the faith? Who are you looking forward to spending an eternity with? I mean, what better award can we get in heaven rather than seeing each other there? But friends, we need to speak about this more. Because we need the words to be ringing in our ears, changing our minds, and changing our hearts. Friends, Jesus wants his disciples to have this right perspective in life, an eternal perspective. Well, the obvious question to conclude is, what is your mindset in life? What's your perspective? Where does your heart lie? In the things of this world or in the things of an eternal life to come? The Christian walk, friends, is like a marathon. What we need is a change in minds. But in order to do that, we need a change in our hearts. We need to do a heavenly ECG on our hearts and reflect on the way that we are living. What is the health of our hearts when it comes to eternity? I'm sure if we all did this, we would agree that our hearts are sinful to the core, that we are chasing after the things of this world and not the things of heaven. And so we need to pray. We need to pray that God will give us a heart transplant by his spirit. We need that great surgeon of heaven to do as he has promised in Ezekiel 36, 26, where he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. But the one thing that we all know about a heart transplant is we need the donor to die. And so as Jesus hung on a cross, And died for the sins of the world. God kept his promise. And through faith in him, he will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been given a new heart. Not to trust in the things of this world or to chase after the desires of the things of this world. But to fix our eyes on heaven. On the author and perfecter of our faith. Who has this mindset that everything else in this world must come second. And so, friends, let me urge you to not worry about the things in this life, but to turn to your heavenly Father in prayer. Worrying about us will will get us nowhere, but prayer will bring our heavenly Father into action for our good. Show to those who live around us that there is more to life than fine food and fancy clothes, and have this as part of our speech. Give to the poor. Help those who have nothing. 
Use what you have for the glory of God. Knowing that this means if you go for a little while without in this life, that's okay. Because you're building a treasure in heaven that awaits you. And you will not want for all eternity. Friends, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart, friends? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, that through his life, death, and resurrection, we have been given a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the things to come. Help us, Heavenly Father, build treasure in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name.